everyone. I'm Emily Lavender, and this is the Forever Marriage Podcast. Forever Marriage at Lakewood exists to strengthen families by helping couples discover God's design for marriage. All right, Scott and Dawn, here we are in episode seven of season two. Glad you're here with me. Thank y'all, you. Y'all good to be right? here. We're doing yeah, good this morning. it's good to be here. Good it is. Good, good to be back. All right, so if you have been following along, you know that we're in season two of the podcast where we're talking about six keys to better sex and marriage. And in our last few episodes, we've been working through the second key, which is to deal with sexual sin, past or present. Um, Now, before we jump in, I just want to say that we've gotten so much encouragement from many of you regarding the content of this season. So we're just glad that it's been helpful. And we've got lots more coming your way at this rate. Where I think we're what four episodes per key. <laughs> so if that's right, but that's par for the course for us. Yeah, I think we've got more to say than we we thought. No, it's good. It's good. So this will be a, a long season. So we're we're excited and and got a lot coming your way. Um, so today we're going to continue our conversation with key two, mm-hmm. and we're going to tackle the big and unfortunate topic of adultery and marriage, and then from there, potentially move into 10 necessary practices for restoration. Yeah, I know these last couple of episodes have been dark and kind of difficult mm-hmm. to, to deal with, but it it is the reality of what Scott and I see with couples, and it's just part of the rubble that has to be cleared out of the way so that a, a new foundation can be built, a new and fresh relationship can emerge out of uh, a difficult difficult past or difficulties that you're facing in your relationship right now. Scott and I fully believe that there is nothing in the marriage relationship that is beyond the power of Christ to redeem. Absolutely nothing. If we felt like, you know, there were some things that, that God just can't do. Well, we, we probably should just close up shop. You know, yeah, there should be a used car lot. Or something. That's right. That always hangs, you know, in the backdrop of what we do is the hope, um, in the power of Christ to redeem all things, to make them, make them new, make them what they never were before. And <clears throat> that's where we try to lead couples too, as we talk about these difficult things. But, you know, as a, as we've been working through um, the episode uh, and last week, if you listen to it, I mean, I feel like sort of conspicuously absent was the very big topic of affairs and adultery. And really in marriage, when we look at what the co- the topics that we covered last week of um, pornography, same sex tra- attraction and those those things, they do fall it sort of in they do fall into the category of adultery in marriage if practiced in marriage and um, certainly with the issue of pornography that ten, tends to be viewed differently in the husband and wife relationship. I mean, um, most women will say that feels very much like an affair to me. Um, but this big category, I think we just wanted to spend a few minutes touching on because nobody gets married really anticipating and looking forward to the broken heartedness of an affair. Two of the most hopeful days or ceremonies that Scott and I ever go to are high school graduations and weddings. I mean, they're just you. These people just feel like we're ready to take on the world together. So, so hope filled, you know, just let's go. Let we can do this and to the mountain and charge and all of that. And but but the reality check that comes on the other side of that, I think, creates a, a bit of disillusionment and. Um, sort of dashed expectations. And I think that that void or that heart heartache of, of that disillusionment is the 
potential breeding ground for the seeds to be planted for an affair. Um, that if there's not sort of this um, help, if it, that's why we really encourage marriages to be established in community, intergenerational community, so that you can hear from couples that have been walking the marriage road a long time to say, hey, yeah, hard times are going to come. Um, it's it. You don't always experience this Eden environment when you first get married. That kind of fades away a little bit. And then you moved into this promised land mentality of, oh, we got some giants we got to fight together. But we tend to think the other giant is that partner. So we start to see them in a certain way. And as we do that, then the enemy can really sneak in and start begin planting seeds and laying the foundation for an affair. Um, when, um, when Paul writes to the Corinthians, flee sexual immorality. Let me get that reference for you. First Corinthians, um, chapter six. Um, and really he's talking beginning in verse 12, he talks about it, but in verse 18, he says, flee sexual immorality. All other sins a man commits outside his body, but he who sins sexually sins against his own body. Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You were bought with a price. Therefore, honor God with your body. Paul really really ties this idea of um, what we know is that we are created, body, soul, and spirit. You can't tease out one from the other. So the Holy Spirit indwells us. Um, we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And so the language of fleeing sexual immorality is so important. We have a friend who was, um, he was implementing a, like a, uh, a weight loss program and he was talking about his workout regimen and he said, I've got a one, three, one plan. And I, I said, well, what, what is that? And he said, well, the, I go to my to the to the track, and the first lap I walk. The next three laps I jog, and then the the last lap I run like the devil's chasing me. And I understood what that in my mind that was a mental image of what that looks like of of that level of uh, of running because the devil is breathing down your neck. This is the same. This is the same mentality here. Is that. We are to run, flee, get away from as soon as possible, as soon as we recognize it. And truthfully, sometimes we don't recognize it. We need the Holy Spirit to say, listen, you're on the path to sexual immorality. So get away from it now and cut that off as soon as possible. Um, when we have cu- uh, couples come to us who um, who have experienced adultery, it is sad. It's heartbreaking to me. Um, many times the, the one who is the betrayer will be so afraid, just fearful that they're going to lose everything and they can't, they could potentially. Um, and we hear the same questions of, I don't want to lose my spouse. I don't want to lose my marriage. I don't want to lose my children, my job, my reputation, they're, the reality of loss is so real to them. What Scott and I hope to do with couples, and maybe with all of you who are listening, is to get you to think that way before you move into that realm of sexual immorality. To think those thoughts before. I don't want to lose my spouse. I don't want to lose my family. I don't want to lose. Um, and if you don't want to lose, then make it, then 
um, heed Paul's warning, flee sexual immorality. There is inevitable loss that comes with it. So uh, we just want to encourage all of you in this matter of of adultery and affairs. And as we move into these steps, if it's a if it's present or it's been a part of the landscape of your life, um, that there is a pathway out and forward toward healing. So these are the things that we want to kind of move into this morning. So just to remind you where we are, and if, if this is your first episode that you're, you're hearing from us, just kind of want to catch you all up where we've been. This is episode seven of what will most likely be 16 to 20 episodes of six keys to better biblical sex and marriage. And we're in the midst of key number two, which is dealing with sexual sin, both past or present. And in this episode, what, as Dawn and Emily have said, what we're doing, we're just going through the process of what to do if there is sexual sin in your marital relationship. We've, we've talked about what to do with if it was previous to marriage. Now we're talking about what to do if it's in the context of marriage. And that's what this episode's all about. Scripture tells us in Numbers thirty-two twenty-three to be sure your sin will find you out. And it's not a matter of if it will find you out, if that sin will come to light. It's a matter of when sin will come to light, because God's kingdom is a kingdom of light. That's the way he designed it. Darkness cannot abide in light. And in God's mercy, he often allows the darkness of our sin to be brought to the light. But unfortunately, in most relationships, sin is often brought to the light through discovery by the innocent partner rather than the disclosure of an offending party. And I just want to say to you, um, if you are listening to this and you're in the midst of some form of sexual sin, and as Dawn read for us from 1 Corinthians earlier, you have not chosen to flee from it. You have chosen to walk into it. You've been deceived by it. Let me just say this parenthetically. Sin, and, and the writer of Hebrews addresses this in Hebrews 11, Sin is enjoyable. And so if you're thinking, um, well, I, I'm, I, I'm, I'm walking into this, there's going to be a pleasurable experience in whatever sin you're in. If it weren't pleasurable, we wouldn't be tempted to do it. So I just want to speak to that first and foremost. But if you're in the midst of sin, you know it's sin. But no one else knows about it yet. You you maybe have hidden it. I'm just going to challenge you to prayerfully consider bringing it to the light. Disclose it because it's not a matter of if it's going to be found out. It's a matter of when it's going to be found out. Uh, you don't want your partner to discover it. You would much rather disclose it. And as Dawn said, I know if you're in the midst of it right now, you're thinking of all that can be lost. But I'm just telling you from personal experience, what we have found is that when 
sin is brought to light, there tends to be compassion. And we'll talk about this from Proverbs 28 in a moment. Compassion when it is disclosed, greater compassion when it's disclosed versus the compassion you'll find when it's discovered. And I want to say this too. If you're presently in the midst of any sexual sin, be it pornography, be it adultery, uh, we want you to be proactive about this rather than reactive. Before it's discovered, it's only a matter of time. Your partner will or someone else will find it out. And so the practices we're going to talk through here um, are interchangeable. As Dawn has talked about, it's really setting us up for dealing with sin through the lens of adultery. But I want you to understand, too, inevitably, uh, pornography is laced in this as well. And what we find, as Dawn has already said, um, the effects of pornography that gets discovered in the context of marriage – if you're a man, let me just say this to you. If you're in the midst of struggling with an addiction or a minimum temptation, uh, falling prey to the temptation of pornography, when that is discovered, and it will be discovered, it will often have the same effect on your wife as if she found you in the bed with another woman. Now, I know for men, we don't understand that. It, we cannot comprehend how our wives could see a visual image in a digital uh, device as the same as a physical image in our bed. But I'm just saying, men, that's how it is seen. So don't try to create some form of logic. It's not the same. You shouldn't feel that way. You shouldn't feel betrayed. I'm just telling you this is how it is. So as we walk through these 10 steps, I want you to be thinking really with pornography and adultery are one and the same because they're both either way you slice it, any way you slice it, it's sexual sin. Okay. So I just want you to be thinking of it that way. So here's the 10 necessary practices that we have found in our years of working with couples. These are necessary practices for restoration of sexual sin once it's been exposed. The first practice is simply this, is seek the guidance of a trusted and biblically wise marriage mentor. Now, why do we say that? Because as as I said earlier, we're encouraging you to prayerfully consider bringing this sin to light. And you may need the guidance of someone that you trust that is biblically wise. And I want to make that emphatic is biblically wise in how to guide you before you even bring it to the surface with your spouse. Uh, you, you want, um, to do that because what we have found is try as they might, most couples can't navigate restoration on their own. And you're most likely no different. You're, you may think I'm an outlier. We can do this. Just take my word for it. You can't do it. You can't do it. You need help. Doing what you've been doing is what got you into this mess in the first place. So don't think all of a sudden you'll be able to break out of it on your own. Once you find someone you trust, here's some guidance I want to give you, though. First piece of advice and guidance is don't lie to them. 
be completely truthful. We, we tell couples all the time, don't let the truth trickle out. If you feel the need to lie and deceive, you're not ready for restoration and reconciliation. You're really not. Absolute truth is imperative for the restoration process to, to take place. So if, if you're still willing to cover, to hide, to deceive, to lie, you're, you're not ready for restoration. You're not ready. Uh, so don't waste your time. Don't waste your partner's time. Don't waste the mentor's time for that matter. Uh, because they cannot help you if you're still in the midst of a big lie. So that's the first practice. Second practice is this, is you've got to cut off any and all contact with the other person. If you're in the midst of a sexual adultery, and let me just say this parenthetically, it may not even be sexual yet. It may be emotional in nature, but you're on the precipice of of adultery nonetheless. You got to cut off all contact with the other person. This applies specifically in the case of adultery though. In in these cases, I will say this, there need to be no no more calls, no more texts, no social media messaging, no secret meetings. Cut the person off completely. Now, typically on this, we're going to have pushback. And I will tell you, in the years, typically Dawn and I work with five to ten marital uh, infidelities a year. And often, as we're working with the, a male, the male has compassion for his his mistress, for the person that he's had the affair for. And he's concerned, but Scott, what if I cut off? I'm just concerned about her and what she's doing and how she's feeling and And let me just say this, you can't go that road. You cannot go that road. There need to be no more calls, no more texts, no social media messaging, no secret meetings. Cut that person off completely. And this may even require changing jobs. It may require changing social circles or changing churches if you're in, if this is someone within the church that you attend. And if, as the offending party, you're unwilling to do this, you're not ready and serious about restoration. It's just that simple. If if you have more compassion for the person that you're having an affair with than for your own partner, you're not ready for restoration. Jesus describes the radical approach to dealing with the pathway to sin in Matthew 5, 27 through 30. And you can look this up later. We'll have this in our show notes, too. And let me just say, as an aside, uh, if you want to read a verbatim on what we're talking about today, you can go back into our blog at forevermarriage.org. And in our July blog of last year of 2021, we blogged about these 10 practices. So you'll see a verbatim of most, if not all of the material that we're covering this morning. But in Matthew 5, Jesus instructs us to pluck out our eye or to cut off our hand. And obviously, he's not being literal, but basically what Jesus is dealing here, he is saying, be severe in the removal of any temptations that are before your eyes or before your hands. Be severe about that. I'm going to stop just a moment, and I'm going to just ask Dawn and Emily, um, what are y'all processing? What are you thinking about what we're covering here? Well, this is 
may bring a little levity, mm-hmm. but like we can't keep cereal in our house or bluebell ice cream. Like we just can't sure. or we'll overeat, you right. know? So in the same way, I mean, I agree, I agree with you for mm-hmm. the cut off the contact um, with the person you're having an affair with. I mean, if it's there, it's a temptation. So just get rid of it. Right. And, you know, part of what Scott's talking about in just the, you know, the feelings that are, that linger um, toward the, person and I would say this is not just unique to men I I would say women feel this way too because they they've received something from this person that they had been lacking from their own spouse you know and so there is this residue of emotion that lingers um, even after the exposure of the affair and but those but that but those are those feelings um will dissipate and they need to dissipate over time but it begins with a radical action um you know just as we talked about earlier how radical paul was about fleeing i mean really running that that hard fast run away from sexual sin jesus is being equally as you know aggressive toward um toward getting removing the temptation out of our sight and certainly out of arm's length. And right now arm's length for us is our cell phone. So the person doesn't have to be in front of us for it to necessarily be in our sight or in our touch. And, you know, we're going to talk about having access to uh, all of their phones and, and things like that as we, as one of the keys. But, but really taking heed to what Jesus is saying in that radical approach. If you want to give your marriage a chance for restoration, this is a necessary step. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we're talking about the 10 necessary practices for restoration after sexual sin has been exposed. We've covered the first two is seek the guidance of a trusted and biblically wise marriage mentor. Cut off any and all contact with the other person is Point number two, the third point of the 10 practices is simply this. Speak the truth and nothing but the truth. I've already alluded to that already, but I want to reiterate it. Do not lie about or sugarcoat anything to your spouse. Now, this is tricky. I will just say this. This is tricky, and we'll, we'll explain and help you in this. But do not let the truth trickle out. I've said that already, but I want to say it again. Do not let the truth trickle out about addiction or the affair. Now, let me go back to addiction. If, if there's a pornographic addiction, I'm going to speak to men here for a moment. Or a uh, sexual addiction of any kind. Sexual addiction, that's right. Not just pornographic, but right. any sexual addiction of any kind. It, let me just say this. Um, sexual addictions cannot be satiated. And what I mean by that is it you can never feel it enough to feel as though I'm fulfilled. It will always leave you wanting more. Um, inevitably, and, and it, it doesn't stay static. No. Like it's not just a casual dabbling in. It eventually, it will eventually grow. It, it heightens. It, it heightens. It escalates, and it takes on uh, uh, new and more intense forms. And so just understanding the nature of it is it's is never something that we can master. Yeah. Um it w- it will eventually overtake us. Yeah. 
inevitably what we see happening as we're working with couples, and I see this often with men, is if I can tell that there's probably some form of sexual addiction going on with a man if he's struggling with just sheer performance in the bedroom, if there's impotence or a lack of desire in inability to experience erections or just sheer enjoyment of time with his wife. That's all, not always, but it's often an indicator that there's something going on uh, because with sexual addiction, as Don was saying, it gets to such a heightened, you have to have such a hardcore stimulus to it that just the marital encounter itself, the intimate marital encounter between a husband and wife often will not fulfill a person. But let me say this too. I, I want to speak to those who may be uh, nearly married or newly married. Inevitably, we find with, uh, I got to quit saying inevitably. I think I've said it several times already. Sorry. Um <laughs> What we will find with with guys who may struggle with sexual addictions or pornographic uh, addictions is coming into marriage, he will often feel as though, okay, marriage will be the big resolver of this issue for me in that, yes, I do struggle. I may have told my girlfriend or my fiance about that. Uh but I may not have been completely truthful with them. Or sometimes it may be that I've not said anything to my partner about this, and I'm just hoping upon hope that it'll go away in the context and confines of marital sexuality. What we tend to find is it'll go dormant for a period of time. That could be a year to 18 months, 24 months, typically 36 months maximum. But then it will start to come back to the surface again. And so what we want to just say here is don't let the truth about these struggles trickle out. Deal with them head on. Confess all of your sin. If not to your partner, at least find that trusted companion that we've talked about. And it is best to confess your sins before you're pressed to answer your spouse's inquiries. Do not hide anything. We're talking about in the third step here, speaking the truth and nothing but the truth. Don't hide anything. Be completely upfront and honest. Hiding anything on the front end will only set you back further down the road and will greatly hamper the restoration process. I want to read one passage for you as we close out this session and we'll come back in the next episode, episode number eight, and finish out these 10 practices. But in Proverbs chapter 28, verse 13, I love what Solomon says here. Proverbs twenty-eight thirteen, he says, He who conceals his transgressions will not prosper. He who conceals his transgressions will not prosper. But he who confesses and forsakes them will find compassion. Now, I can say this to you. I cannot promise you, I cannot give you um, false hope that as you confess to your partner, if there are sexual sins in the context of marriage, that you will find forgiveness immediate or not. I can't, I can't promise you that. I can con- 
promise you that as you confess your sins to God, you will find compassion and you will find mercy. And you will have to trust God with your partner that you will find equal compassion and mercy from them. Pray you will find compassion as sin is confessed. So in this episode, we've covered the first three of the 10 practices. We've talked about seek the guidance of a trusted and biblically wise marriage mentor. We've talked about cutting off any and all contact with the other person. And we've talked about speaking the truth and nothing but the truth to your partner. In our next episode, episode eight, we're going to get into, uh, as Dawn said, giving unhindered access to accounts, being willing to go the extra mile, and setting up a travel plan if you travel. So I hope you'll join us again for episode eight. All right, guys. Thank you so much. Looking forward to hearing the rest of these 10 um, necessary practices. So stay tuned for another episode of the Forever Marriage Podcast.